Welcome back to the Betsports Golf DFS show ahead of the Valero Texas Open. As always, I am your host, John Daigle, joined today by none other than PGA Splits 101. You know him in the Discord as Ron Kloss. Ron, we are fresh off match play. How did everything go for you and the subscribers on the back end? Yeah, let's just say uh, excited to get back to stroke play here. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting last week. It was very fun to watch. Um, enjoyed it a, gr uh, a great deal. Um, but yeah, Valero Open. Um, I know everyone's kind of looking forward to next week, but uh, we're going to kind of dig in here as best we can and uh, see what edges we can find this week. Our best bets came through. Remember, free article on the back end we post every Wednesday afternoon. I came this close to Bland over DeChambeau. This close. Uh, Bland had about seven putts he should have made to win those holes over DeChambeau, but nonetheless did not come through on day one. But also, we can't be a trio without third. And no Ryan Newton today. Instead, we are bringing on a very special guest. You know him as the creator of the Golflandia pod and someone I actually personally listen to for his overarching thoughts on game theory. And that's why I'm very excited to record for the first time today with none other than Matthew Wiley. Matt, how's everything yes. going for you in PGA DFS? Oh, it's going great. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad you played that song I wrote in the intro. Does your audience know I wrote that song? No, they don't. Oh, I, I didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The uh, I'm good. No, uh, I, I enjoyed last week with uh, match play because we were talking beforehand. You can gain a little bit of leverage writing rules and uh, if a then not b. whereas week to week in in DFS, as you know, for golf is very much like Kino. I've made that reference on Twitter, um, but perhaps you do OK this week. I had Kisner as well, of course, and he flamed out. I think he just got a little tired. That's it. Who's he the dominated. third guest usually? Ryan? Ryan? You said Ryan? Yeah, Noonan? Noonan is usually the third one. Uh, he has a lot on his plate, though. And also, we're just making it a uh, important to bring on guests from around the industry, um, especially because yeah. guys like I'm really excited to talk to. Next week, for instance, just to tease ahead, um, we're bringing on Notorious. You know him um, from, uh, from yeah, Robert Robert Grinders. Grinders. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I'm excited to talk with Noto. And then you, of course, you're here. And I think it's important yeah. that you're here because – this is an interesting tournament, one that some mm -hmm. say lacks some motivation, even though I disagree. We'll get to that later on. Yeah. But we head to TPC San Antonio Oaks course, which is actually, just fun fact, just 30 minutes north of my favorite cocktail bar in the area, uh, Bar 1919, if you're ever around there. But also, it is a where a ma majority of industry discussion circles like vultures around course length, right? Three or four par fives here infamously play around 600 yards. Uh, narrow fairways abound with hazards sneakily awaiting at every single corner. Just think back to, we all recall Kevin Nas 16 on the scorecard at the ninth hole in 2011. And then of course the average approach shot over the last five years here has come from 183 yards out. So succinct long iron play is also a necessity, but even though, Logic then, Ron, tells us that we should gravitate towards accurate bombers in our lineups. Uh, you actually ha have an entirely different take on the matter for DFS this week. So, yeah, so just uh, a few things uh, before we get into that. So, again, uh, with the greens, our poet trivialis again, so we have that same very smooth putting surface. Uh, slower green speeds this week, uh, running around 11 on the stint meter. And I think when you kind of combine those two things, you've noticed here in the past, it kind of brings some bad putters into the mix. All you have to do is look at Corey Connors from uh, two years ago to see that exemplified. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a difficult course overall, uh, averaging about 0.23 strokes over par the past five events. 
uh, wind. Obviously, living down here in Texas, I'm very used to it, but uh, kind of one of the main variables in terms of how tough this course will actually get will be the wind strength. Uh, looking at the forecast right now, kind of looks like Friday will definitely have some impact with wind for sure. And uh, But just down here, that wind can pop up at any time. Uh, we have some difficult par fives. Uh, they are the third toughest on tour. Uh, and that's kind of one of the big things I'm targeting this week is uh, if you go back and look over the past eight winners, uh, four of them have actually led the field in par five scoring. Uh, we have deep bunkers, uh, sand save percentage ranks very low here. Uh, another thing kind of related to what you're getting into is um, approach. I mean, this is clearly a second shot course for me. Um, you have very firm elevated greens, which are tiered and they do repel approaches at a very high percentage. Uh, GIR percentage, uh, greens and regulation is only 60% here. Uh, and another thing, uh, it's been very dry down here lately. So I would expect a very firm course uh, when play starts on Thursday. And there's also numerous runoff areas around the greens. And with so many greens being missed, uh, scrambling is going to come into play here as well. Um, and just really quick off the tee, you know, players, when you, when you read their quotes, they do say, you know, you do need to be somewhat accurate here. And again, going back to your Kevin Na example, there are some kind of wooded brush areas when you get really wide off the fairway. Um, but that's mostly for guys who are, you know, kind of tend to spray it very wildly. Um, but the rough, I mean, this is kind of known as one of the most non-penal um, rough on tour. Um, amazingly, the birdie percentage was higher from the rough than from the fairway over the past three years. Um, and three of the past five winners led the field in greens and regulation percentage. Last year's winner, Jordan Spieth, he finished fourth in that area. So, yeah, just overall, I'm really targeting ball strikers who are strong in approach and also rank high in par five scoring. Ron may have covered it all, Matthew, but does anything else stand out among this course or a way we should attack DFS lineups that you think everyone's doing one thing and we should say, no, actually, I'd prefer to do this because it's unique? No, I think Ron, or as we affectionately call him, Splits. Who splits, has amazing yeah. Splits. Yeah, I was talking to Circling the Drain, as I said beforehand, and he's like, I affectionately refer to him as Splits. And so, uh, no, his stuff is so good on Twitter, and it's you know amongst a, uh, a crowded space of content, it really stands out. I will add nothing. No, I really don't have much to add. I will say that I did speak with a former winner here, and I did speak with another pro who who's plays here regularly, that they, they encapsulated in one word, ball striking. That's it. I mean, you have to be accurate off the tee. It's going to be windy, um, which is going to make it more difficult. Yes, the Na example is one way of disaster. I mean, that was a that was an anomaly. I don't know. Mm -hmm. he, his brain just melted. Uh, and you need to watch the video if you haven't seen it. But you can get in trouble off the tee, especially if it's windy. The greens are very tough to hit. The shaved runoffs. Uh, good scrambling is a great point. Um, and, and the other thing I would say is, is that your dog? Someone's at the door. Um, someone, uh, someone said that Texas guys play well here, and it's true. I mean, look at Charlie Hoffman owns this place. Uh, Spieth does well. Um, so there, I think that's 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 everything. So, and we're fresh off a course in which we also discussed last week. Texas players playing well. And, uh, you know, maybe Scotty Scheffler won just because he's damn good at golf, but also because he does have the history there. So interesting to see yeah. that we may just stack that theory moving forward. Uh, and with that case, let's just go ahead and jump into it then. And Matthew, let me explain what we typically do here, just in case you haven't seen. And that is we're going to pull up uh, 
elite as we move on here, elite, a top tier of golfers, a middle tier and a lower tier. But we're not necessarily yep. talking about picks. This is basically yep. a group of players that I think are important uh, for a variety of reasons. And I'll explain as we go on in this top tier. I mentioned sure. for those listening on the podcast, uh, Roy McElroy, Hideki Matsuyama, Jordan Spieth, Abraham Anser, and Bryson DeChambeau. What stands out is that they actually are just the only golfers on DraftKings that are priced above 10K. And so I'm curious, and I want to get your takes on this first. When you're building lineups, does it start with this? Or do you think for whatever reason, you can just skip beyond this tier and move to building a core around 9K players or perhaps high 8K? It poten- it's, it's, it's really based on ownership, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you get your – when we build 150 lineups, for instance, our target when we talk after, after lock is how many of them are unique. And so, you know, sometimes we're in the 140s out of 150, 144. Sometimes, you know, only two are duplicated. It's because we play around ownership. Um, Either you're going 2x, 3x, certain x over a one player or completely fade chalk. Like Xander last week was a completely fade for me in uh, in match play. Uh, it turned out to be a, an okay one. But if that works, right, you then Xander, who's 25% owned, you wiped out – you're now ahead of 25% of the entries mm-hmm. in a $100,000 $100, entry contest. So this week, I really don't know yet. It's certainly not off the table to fade 10 and above. I never really buy – you mentioned this earlier. I don't – speaking with players who have won on tour, there's never an instance in their mind that someone comes to a tournament to not win uh, or not play well or just tune up and miss the cut. Now, if they are eight over on Friday, perhaps. But they are there to play and they're there to win. Um, the chalk, though, in that I don't see the group. I don't know if I should be looking at something or not, but I uh, I, I I know the names you're talking about. Rory's going to mm-hmm. be top chalk projected, twenty five percent. Now, do you want Rory? What is he? Eleven K plus? Eleven uh, uh, two. Eleven. Do you want Rory eleven two, uh, who probably has more gears focused? He was just in Augusta today. I think he's still there. Which is odd, um, right? Uh, he's in Austin. Uh, he's not in Austin 48 hours before his tea time. And as someone who wanted to play right. Rory, despite the chalk, uh, I am worried. Right. And you got Rory, who is completely hyper-focused on this. It, it, it gnaws at him. And he, it, 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 it makes him physically ill leading up to the Masters, focusing on winning this tournament. My thing with Rory, 25% on Rory uh, as top chalk. The rule is, thanks to Scotty Mack, if he's getting me on this on Twitter, is fade top price chalk. Um, the the worst thing Rory can do, I think, is do well here. Why? Because he he really dusts himself sometimes in spotlight in major tournaments. Look at Portrush. The spotlight is not on him right now, and I don't think it'll be on him unless he does something miraculous here. If he does win the Valero, he's under the heat lamp. If not, it's Scheffler next week. It's Rom next week. It's uh, even a Cam Smith next week. And he can kind of sail in there and maybe just be a little more relaxed. So does that answer your question? I kind of ran. It does. That's exactly the kind of conversation we try to have on the show. So I love it. And honestly, to your point, on our back end at BetsPressGolf.com, currently Ron, or Splits, I should say, has Rory as the highest projected own golfer. uh, Coming in 25 to to 30%. So that tells you where we should be on him 
among the rest in this range. But Ron, I also think it's an interesting conversation in this range because, for instance, the next guy down at 10-8, Matsuyama, was recently just scratched with a back injury 15 minutes for the players, or 15 minutes after players' lineups locked. And so uh, we don't know his injury status, even though he is playing. You would expect him to be somewhat at full health. And we also don't know what the field is going to do, if they're going to use recency bias. Uh, Jordan Spieth, also defending champ here. Abraham Answer played really well in match play for getting eliminated in the Elite Eight. And then Bryson, of course, who didn't even seem like he was going full bore ahead, uh, seemed to be still be playing slow and getting his driver swing back most recently at match play. So I'm curious where your thoughts start in this range, if they even start here. Yeah, there's just a lot of question marks around all these guys. I mean, starting with Rory, you know, you know, the Masters is the one he's looking for. And, you know, he usually doesn't play the week before major. Um, mm-hmm. I think before the Masters, it's been all the way back since 2014. So, you know, I think his quote was something about, you know, he wants to come to kind of clear his head. And obviously he's trying to be as sharp as he can be heading into next week. Um, So, you know, just the ownership, kind of what what Matt said, you know, it's just I don't think you can play with that number. Um, You know, going down Hideki with the injury concerns, uh, you know, he just uh, I would expect him to be somewhat rusty heading into uh, the Valero here. Uh, You got Spieth, who won last year. Uh, now Spieth does typically tend to play more the week before a major and you know he's had some success obviously uh, winning this event last year um, and even going back further um, you know he's had some really good um, kind of uh, tournaments the week before whether it's the U.S. Open um, and some others but uh, you know he just hasn't looked all that sharp either um, Abraham answer I don't know how you can play him at that price 10-3 um, um, every week and, and this does appear to be you know a pretty solid course fit for him uh, but you know, every time I play him, he either misses the cut or he just doesn't perform to expectations. And lastly, Bryson, you know, I, I kind of view this week as just another chance for him to get ready for next week. So for me, um, I'm pretty much fading this entire top group. Um, and as we get lower here, kind of into that mid range, you know, I'm kind of looking at motivation really, really big this week. Uh, guys who are trying to punch a ticket to the masters, um, those are kind of the kind of the main grouping here as we get to that I'll be I'll be focusing on. Does that mean you're also just fading this tier altogether, Matthew? And you'd rather start your lineups like in the high nine Ks, mid nine Ks around that range? Um, well, for Bryson, someone tweeted me today. He was at the uh, match play, looking, watching Bryson hit balls. He said, "I think he had a." I mean, this is all hearsay. You never know what's true, mm-hmm. but he said he had a hundred balls, had three coaches around him. Um, I'm paraphrasing this and didn't hit one flush. So he's kind of a little bit Bryson broken. And um, Jordan Spieth is the interesting one, right? I mean, I can get the, I, I get your case behind Matsuyama and the injury question marks answer. His ownership sub 10 is very interesting, but Spieth, you know, he's a Texas guy. Uh, he's won here before, right? Yes. He won last year here. And now he's sub 15 as the third price player. That's, that's, and I think he will be 15%. I mean, people look at the swing in the driving range and say, oh, he's broken. He can't play anymore. I don't – I mean, you want a Texas player in the wind who's won here last year? I mean, it, I'll tell you this. If Spieth wins this week, his ownership – I hope he doesn't because his master's ownership is going to be going noticed. He's going to be sort of wedged in a tight area. So, if pricing – so. You mentioned answer sub 10%. I would say like 
that would be the contrarian playing off the top just to differ because I think right now, yeah, we're getting answer at seven, eight percent as well. And so that's uh, insane that's, to me. I don't think that holds. I mean, okay, okay, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone steam him just yet. But again, um, it's Tuesday. Uh, we try to be ahead of this thing. So if he does get right. up, uh, that wouldn't be shocking. And then of course we'd have to redirect and go somewhere else. The middle we're now looking here, though, at Kazire Chalk. Okay, just say that out loud. Patton Kazire <laughs> Chalk. I don't and, know who's responsible for that. And also, let's start with this middle tier now because we're also looking at Corey Connors chalk. And that's all I want to start with you. You already mentioned Scotty Mack pointing out to you that we're fading 25 plus percent elite pricing right. golfers just for the volatility right. of the game. So with Corey Connors, 9,800. And also among this tier, by the way, we're going to talk about along the way, Maverick McNeely, yeah. 9,500. Gary Woodland, 9,300. Chris Kirk, 9,400, I think is really interesting. And then um, Charlie Hoffman, even though he's in complete shit recent form, just what he's done at this tournament alone is worth discussing. Yeah. But let's start with you about Corey Connors uh, because yeah. recency bias will probably cause him to be the most rostered player, at least in this range. Maybe not more than Rory, but in this range. So what do you do yeah. with mid, quote-unquote, mid-price golfers who we also expect to be 20-plus percent? Well, I was wishing, I was hoping that Corey Connors didn't perform so well last week in match play, but all of a yeah. sudden he's discovered an incredible short game and he's a good putter. He's a better putter and he is so level headed. I mean, he doesn't, he's like, he just doesn't change emotions at all. Scheffler seems the same way. It's that tempo. Um, uh, the tempo, it's like, the is tempo. part of his brain. It just all works fluidly. Yeah. And now he's 76 at Augusta, which will be super chalk, probably number one. I think he's number one or two this week. I think he could surpass Rory in terms of ownership. Um, it's, it makes it for a day a very difficult week because he's everything you want at this course, right? And he almost won. Um, sorry, he did win. Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Corey is tough. The ones I cannot uh, justify as top five chalk. I'm, I need a new word for chalk. Owned. Uh, Chris Kirk. At 9,400, that just doesn't – I mean, he's a, he's a very good golfer, but that's one I could see fading. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, so those are the ones that are, that are highly owned right now in that range. Uh, let me look at the nines. Tony Finau is, is below priced of Kirk and Bradley. How far has he fallen? I mean, that's insane. Uh, he'll still pick up some ownership. Jason Day is kind of interesting. One, one golfer did tell me, and I'm not huge into – he just texted me before the show because I was like, I really love Rory, and he's like, I don't really love him as much because the wind is going to be so – he lives down there, so vicious mm -hmm. that at apex height, it just so, it can mess with you know your ball flight on difficult to reach greens. Um, Day hits a very high ball too, so – not like these guys can't flight it, but look at Gary Woodland. He hits a very low trajectory. Um, that's why he has troubles at Augusta. I kind of like Gary Woodland. I like Gary Woodland to win, potentially. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you, Ferran, in this range? Knowing Connors will be highly rostered. Um, I still think Maverick Nilly is a, a tremendous play. Just the fact he was, you know, shoot in for Sam Burns, the DFS free square at 6,200 last year. at just a price point to get up to higher more expensive players finished two Oh and one match play uh, beat Justin Thomas in the opening round and um, strokes gain long form really matches well with this course. 
especially with Corey Connors at the price overlooking him. But we already heard Matthew, Gary Woodland. Uh, Chris Kirk, I think, is the contrarian play as well. I don't think he'll be highly rostered at all. Um, and so just curious, where are your thoughts start in this range? So, yeah, I'm actually starting with Siwoo. Um, I've got him coming in around 9% right now. Um, you know, I know I don't really treat course history too highly here, but, you know, he finished 23rd last year and then was fourth the year before. Um, so I think he's going to be somewhat contrarian uh, and kind of dipping down. Once we get into this Maverick McNeely at 9,500, um, he's been so consistent uh, when you kind of dig into the numbers, like he's gained strokes nine of his past 10 events. Um, and just that level of consistency, um, that desire that I know he's got to have to get into the Masters, um, you know, he's probably where I'm going to start most of my lineups. Um, got him kind of right around that 14, 15% mark right now. So not too high. Uh, Chris Kirk, obviously he's getting, he is getting talked up more today um, from what I've been hearing. Um, another guy, very consistent, uh, really good course history here. Like Wiley said, Gary Woodland, um, you know, he kind of seems to be putting it all together. Uh, he's got, you know, two top fives recently down in Florida. Um, he's gained an approach his last four events. Um, so, you know, Texas course, he also has some good history um, in this state. So Woodland's another guy I really like. Um, I think Tony Fino is really interesting this week. Um, you know, people are talking about how, you know, he had nine birdies uh, at match play that last day. Um, you know, a lot of other people are just down on him. Uh, I initially was too, but, you know, looking back, um, he's got some good course history, um, kind of in Texas as well. And, you know, 9,100, um, coming in at 12%. Um, you know, that's interesting to me. Wiley, do we, you know, do we dig back on Tony uh, here? Okay. So, you know, I'm in treatment for addiction to Tony Finau, right? That's <laughs> why I asked a, you. He's a big, beautiful man. Um, he does everything well. His short game, probably the most underrated on tour, or at least part of his game, at least because everyone thinks he's a bomber and he is. Tony, there's a tweet re this afternoon that said, What's the best financial advice you've ever received? And I said, Fading Tony Fino. At some point, you have to send him to the graveyard and just understand and live with that decision. Uh, Kyle Stanley, for instance, addicted, gone. Um, Fino, I kind of almost have to. You said nine birdies in, in match play day three. Day one and day two were abomination. I had 35% Tony Finau at Webb Simpson. I thought that was the kill shot, and it was not. I don't know. I, he's not. He's kind of broken, right? Um, but low I, – I mean, I think you said 12%, and that's the projection. I think he's going to come sub 10%. I, I was going to guess 7%. Yeah. So if I told you seven to ten percent, Tony Finau, I'm forty percent. I'm going seven. <laughs> okay, then you're overweight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's hard to quit. I mean, it, okay. Here's the other thing. There's multiple players here that I hope don't do well because of ownership value at the Masters, which mm -hmm. I have in my notes. Always play Tony Finau, regardless. He could have. He could be. You know, asleep. You play him. He's going to be nothing next week if he doesn't perform well here. So. Um, I don't know. I, it's a tough call. Whether you, whether you end up going overweight on Finau or not, do you yeah. want to start your lineups this week with two or three guys in this range? Is that what you're trying to prioritize, knowing we can jam in a lot of lower tier we're about to talk about? 
not necessarily because I don't In my, my first instinct was knowing what kind of course this is in a second place finish here, I think 10 years ago, to be a very good driver of the ball um, and very good tee to green and the other stuff sort of irons itself out. It seems to be a fantasy land for Rory McIlroy's game. Wind agnostic, right? So mm-hmm. I have a, even if he's 25%, I don't know. I have a very tough time not saying, okay, I'm going to lock him or be double, or maybe one and a half. And that creates problems at 11-2 with other players in the nine range. It's like you Albeit, mentioned. Albeit, Sterkley as Rain said he could make an entire team off 6K players, but that's his, that's his game. So perhaps, perhaps we can do something. It's like you mentioned also the, the ghost of Augusta haunting Rory. That's actually what comes to my mind more so than like how well he's been driving, like in his last 48 rounds, um, his recent play as well. It's just the fact that how much is Georgia really weighing on his mind one week out, uh, which is stupid to think about. Like, well, I mean, but I can't help it today. Right. I said that I said, I said a tweet. I said the best thing he could do is not do well. So he doesn't have that light on him. And someone said, literally, he literally gets physically ill like vomits the week before because the intensity of the pressure, I can't validate that quote, but the intensity of the pressure is so much for him to win the green jacket and the grand slam. So I don't know. I mean, I, I admittedly popped into the, uh, Bedsburg golf DFS optimizer, which went live this morning, actually. And my initial instinct, it's only, it's only Tuesday, right? Um, but my initial instinct was I locked in Rory and McNeely. Now, if we're talking 28% Rory and Finau 7%, that's really interesting. So I may actually McNeely's go back and chalk, run that. though. McNeely's chalk. I can't. Yeah, I that's can't. the thing. So Rory and McNeely, that's kind of a disaster, right? That's why I like talking through these things. Yeah, well, I mean, in, in golf, you can eat some. You can eat some chalk. I mean, good good stuff. I mean, sometimes even two players you can eat because it's, you know, there's four other players you probably get sub 5% owned. I can't get behind high nines McNeely, John. That is just something that's like Kirk. It just that's bound for disaster. They just can't win week to week like some of these other guys. Uh, and we could go ahead, Ron, unless there's something else that stood out to you in the the mid eight range. Like I mentioned, Charlie Hoffman, back to back runner up here the last two years. A win in 2016, yeah. two more top three yes. finishes. If you track yes. all the way back to 2011, um, and I just wonder how much he's going to be rostered since again he's been complete garbage of late. All right. yeah, he's sub-10, and that surprises me. Yeah, yeah I agree. I'm gonna, I've got that's him at fair. 7, so that's that's a little shocking. I would expect that to rise as more people kind of look at his past history here. But, yeah, I mean, he's not, like, super expensive. Now, granted, like you said, uh, Daigle, his, his recent form has been downright terrible. Um, but, you know, reading through the player quotes, you know, he kind of admitted that he can come into this place um, not playing well, and he just has an eye for the course, he says. And so something kind of clicks for him here. And so, you know, to me, 7% um, definitely will be in my pool. Um, just going back up really quick, you know, Adam Hadwin, you know, and I know he's going to appear to be chalked to around 18%. Yeah. Um, but he finished in the top five of my model for the week. So, you know, maybe like Wiley said, that might be some chalk, you know, might be tempted to play. Um, Streelman is another guy who – you know, he's uh, just finished seventh at the Valspar. You know, he's looked really good his past two events. Um, he's got two top eights here uh, the past two years. So, you know, another guy who's not in the Masters field who, 
you know, he's getting up there in age, you know, uh, kind of maybe one of his last few chances to, to get into the Masters. Um, and so, you know, he's another guy I really like. And just lastly, Luke List, um, you know, kind of my three big stats to look at this week is, is a player in form? Is he good with approach and par five scoring? And Luke List, um, over the past 24 rounds, he ranks third in the field. He's also third in approach and he's ninth in par five scoring. So he kind of checks all the boxes here. Uh, and so he's another guy in that mid range that, uh, um, around 13% right now that, uh, I will definitely be targeting. Luke List also is currently number four in our projections with the highest win rate, fourth highest win rate, 3.9% chance to win this event. Um, I like Luke List a lot. Matthew, I also think this is why the conversation about Hoffman and, as you mentioned earlier, Kazire are interesting because mm -hmm. Ron just mentioned a handful of golfers in that range, 8,500 around Kazire, who's 8K. I also think Russell yeah. Knox is super interesting too. Um, yeah. and we, and we also know Mita Pereira is probably going to get highly rostered as well. So speak on Kazire chalk a little bit, how much you hate it essentially. And then, uh, what you want to do around that since everyone seems to be getting sucked into the tornado. Yeah. I, I, Kazire, I never get right. And he's going to be top five with Hadwin Woodland, probably, uh, mm -hmm. um, Rory, obviously. And then Connors, I, uh, Kazire, I don't know. Um, Pereira, I'm surprised to see him that projected highly owned since he burns a lot of people. And we talked about Mo Pereira not having it. And does he have it this week and being Mito uh, Pereira? Possibly. Uh, but I think that if you want the razzle-dazzle, you've got Ryan Palmer down there, Texas, long hitter, experienced. 5%? That's the... I hope I hope no one watches this, so I don't give away the trade secret. But that that's where I will hammer, and hopefully it pulls from Hoffman too. Two Texas guys, ton of experience in the wind here, and um, you know, I'll just have to say goodbye to Mo and Pat and Kazire. And what I love most about the 8K tag for Ryan Palmer is that, of course. Kazire's also 8K. So no right. one, like you mentioned, universally, no one's going to play him. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing with golf form, right? It's it's that sometimes when someone performs poorly and all of a sudden they flip it, these guys improve week to week, round to round, hour to hour, hole to hole. They're constantly working on things. And so to assume that Ryan Palmer will never play well again or Jordan Spieth won't, it's, I mean, the Siwoo Kim example is the best. He had like 400 missed cuts in a row and then won the players. Forever, I will remember that and say, recent form needs to have a big asterisk to it. Unless Ron, you're Bryson, and now I'm never playing Bryson at that price. Which is also He's annoying. 28 to 1. Yeah, it's also annoying knowing that if he was in full form, well, one, he maybe he's not even playing this event, but if he was, knowing that accuracy off the tee isn't that important, we just want the bombers here, uh, he'd be a very interesting play. But again, one of those question marks in that higher up tier. And so uh, outside of betting him, you know, at 28 to 1, sprinkled a little bit, I'm not sure what else to do with DFS, if anything at all. Uh, Ron, I want you to kick off the lower tier, though. Some of the names I, written, I wrote down just from what I've heard from around the industry right now, and you can – 
go a different direction if you like. Uh, Brennan Steele, 7,600. Matthew Neesmith, I'm very interested in at 7,100. Martin Laird, 75. I know you personally like Austin Smotherman at 6,800. And then Martin Schrainer at Stoneman 6K also seems to be garnering some interest here. Yeah, I'm going to start a little higher in that 7 range, 7K range. Um, kind of two, I guess we call it the DP World Tour now, but kind of two Euro guys who really have my attention. And they're really not catching much steam right now uh, as far as Robert McIntyre and Rasmus Hoygaard. Um, You know, McIntyre, he um, not really a regular as much on these PGA Tour events, but, I mean, he's got a world-class game. Um, and so he's someone that definitely has my attention at 7,900. Um, and Hoygaard, you know, he just finished, uh, what was it? Uh, I believe sixth last week at the Corrales. Uh, he's got three top thirties. Uh, a lot of these of course are on the DP world tour, but you know, I think he's met, uh, made like seven cuts in a row. Um, last three months he's gaining in every area except for putting. So just T to green, you know, he's kind of a, a very young guy, 21 years old who, um, you know, as he gets more, kind of used to playing uh, here in America. Um, you know, I just think this is another great spot for him, kind of under the radar. Um, so those two really stick out to me. Uh, yeah, Brendan Steele, uh, there's a lot of talk about him. Um, coming in around 12% right now. Uh, but again, great course history here. Uh, another guy um, that you brought up, Matthew Neesmith. Very interesting. Obviously, we saw what he did a couple weeks ago. Um, I think that's just a misprice, like 7100 um, he talked about how he's changed his putting grip and we kind of saw some improvements in that area recently. So I just think he's a guy who, you know, uh, just with his ball striking ability on a course that demands um, elite ball striking, um, you know, he's a guy who definitely sticks out. Uh, Nate Lashley's another one who kind of over his last 12 rounds, he's fourth in this field. Um, you know, he's gained um, 18 strokes total his last 12 rounds. So, uh, yeah, Smotherman's another guy, local guy, played at SMU. Um, he's used to these Texas courses playing in the wind. Uh, you know, he had a little bit of a rough time at Corrales, but, uh, you know, he's another guy at 6,800. And one, one last guy I'll bring up here, uh, JJ Spawn. Uh, he's got seven top 30s kind of over the last six months. You know, he's really kind of turned his game around. Um, and he ranks high. Um, recent form, uh, approach, he's 25th in the field in approach. Uh, and he's 13th in par five scoring. So uh, JJ Spawn at 6,700 um, is another guy that uh, I like a lot this week. Nate Lashley, to your point, also the favorite just last week at Corrales. Uh, didn't come through, but also had been playing well and was a favorite. And now we're only a week later and removed from that. Also, Neesmith, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Wiley, but like Ron mm -hmm. mentioned, overseeded greens here at TPC San Antonio. So bad putters, and we, like he said, Neesmith changes grip. So perhaps this doesn't matter anyways. But do historically poor putters, do overseeded greens like make this better for us? We can chase these guys who have never putted well, and thus, who cares? Just hope for the best. Right. Why? Because they're slower? Because they're slower, yeah. And again, this I, is just spitballing. I don't know. No. Um, let me – I'm not a professional golfer. That may not shock you. Uh, <laughs> but I have been – I try to glean information from as many people who play and are on tour as possible. It's the inverse, at least for the oh. few guys I've – Okay, here's why. On slower greens, you need a longer backstroke, okay? Mm -hmm. So getting it online is more difficult. Um, 
you 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 could see poor putters do well at Augusta. Sergio, uh, right? Uh, Hideki won. Why? Speed. You just it's a, it's it's less less of a backstroke to get it online. Line and speed, right? That makes okay. sense. Yeah. Okay, so be careful of that narrative that the, the slowness makes it better for poor putters. Put, there's so much variance in putting anyway, Correct. but but I wouldn't say that is the case. Look at who's won here too. Spieth, uh, Charlie Hoffman does well. He's a good putter. Um, so yeah, uh, so I, I, don't, I don't put much stock into the overseed, but I, I do say that about slow greens that I look for better putters. I like a lot of the picks that Splits talked about um, in that range. I will to. I don't know if he mentioned these players, but I will give you my check marks here that I'm looking at. I was hoping to look at Tagala, or Tagala with a lower. I'm surprised that he's down towards 10%. I like him a lot. Um, form and just he he just is a great ball striker. Brandon Steele, I can get behind that. Um, some other names I checked. Uh, Minwoo Lee, maybe the nuts. If I have been a truther about Minwoo Lee, I got burned. I think it was Riviera. I think he shot about 105, or maybe it was Pebble Beach. But last week in match play, he was a he was fierce, and that is the Minwoo. He's got great pedigree. I mean, he's just I've watched him overseas. He's really young. I mean, he's 59th but in the world, so he's he's, he's a killer. Nice. I mean, yeah. he's a killer. He's he is going to, and I, and someone told me he's like Minwoo Lee is a player this week. Watch out, uh, Aaron Rye's another one. No, don't play him very often, but he's on my list. Wyndham Clark, I can't quit. It didn't help last week. He played well in Corrales. Um, Grayson Sig, uh, I've been told is just someone to watch out for. The one, the one big one. Which I'm this has got to be wrong splits in terms of ownership. Matt Wallace, like one percent. I I've heard Matt Wallace more than I've heard anyone this week. Um, at that price, what do you yeah, say? Yeah, I mean his form obviously might be the reason why. Um, I have but, him at one and a half percent too, so I haven't heard much about him. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's obviously a good price for him if he can get his game together, but he's kind of kind of related to the Ryan Palmer discussion. You know, he's not going to keep playing poorly forever. There's going to be a week where he That's turns right. around and, uh, you know, could be this week. And, and just another I, guy that I might. Have, I, I two acronyms, sorry, before I get to another no, point. Um, APS and APW. APS always play Stricker. APW always play Wallace. I've kind of abandoned APW, but uh, for a long time, he was foolproof. I mean, he, where, he can really do everything. What's that? Where does where does APF always play female fit into all this? I've never had that. That's just been a oh. personal choice. Please, please that's take that model secret, if you'd like. That's been a secret one I've kept okay. for myself. Not ready so, for release so, yet. Still in beta. Right, exactly. Um, sorry, I, I interrupted you, Splits. You had a good point. No, I was just going to say, I'm, uh, just going down here, I know, uh, uh, Daigle, you, you brought up Martin Trainer, who has been playing well recently. Um, but another guy who kind of made it into the field, uh, I think he was one of the last guys in, Peter Uline is at bare minimum 6K. Um, so, again, he played at Oklahoma State. Uh, he said he loves playing on these wind-type courses um, here in Texas. So he's another interesting guy. And um, Guido, Guido Migliozzi, who 
is in awful form right now, but he is 6,100. Um, and so he's just another guy who um, I think I can't remember. I think he was top five at the U S open last year. So he's another guy who, you know, maybe a change of scenery coming over here to the States will, will something will click for him. But uh, again, if you're trying to hit the nuts, you know, you start putting Minwoo Lee and, and Guido um, and you kind of stack them with some higher guys, you know, you Guido. never know what can happen. Someone was it you on Twitter who told me, he's like, how can you fade this guy? I have to fade Guido. I mean, I mean, I've got a, the inside scoop. I've done some research on Guido and here's the thing. He's terrible. <laughs> he, he's mean, been playing terrible. I'll give it to you. But 6,100, I mean, uh, that's 5%. You can do 5%. For, for Andy Molitor sounds- in the comments, by the way, said, missed the first half. Can we get a cut line call? Yes. Uh, minus three. Minus three. Oh, minus three. From what it sounds like, then, what I've gathered from the show, Matthew, is that even if we play Rory and, like, Hadwin, Rory and Connors, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like there are more than enough guys we roster the rest in the other three, four slots of our lineups that you were still contrarian, honestly. We mentioned Finau, Ryan Palmer, Guido, if you want to do that, Minwoo Lee, uh, Uline at 6K. It really seems like you could play a couple chalk guys, honestly, in my head anyways, on a Tuesday. Yeah, I just don't – wait till ownership shakes out a little bit on Wednesday Mm -hmm. because I don't believe the Wallace stuff, and I think some things will will increase in the sixes and down lower. But you're perhaps right. I mean – you know, you could perhaps lock, virtually lock Rory and do some interesting things, uh, especially if Kazire can get twenty percent and you let him go. Um, Why? Well, so. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Do you ever have any rules about playing two or multiple kind of Minwoo Lee, Matt Wallace types? Like, will you only play one at a time, or will you take chances and play multiple guys who, you know, are kind of borderline for you? Rarely, uh, I will do that. I, um, I've learned that the best thing you can do when you're establishing a group of players, let's say you have 40 to 50 if you're building 150 lineups, 30 to 40 to 50, uh, you want to look at guys who can make the cut. Don't take too many big swings, but also don't think of people who can necessarily have to finish top three. Just find guys who can skate through because if you're 30% someone and really invested and it's a gamble, then you know 50 of your lineups are dead out of the gate on Thursday. Um, but I will say this. The first thing I do, and I've done this for Augusta's lineups next week for pricing, is I will build what I think is going to be the, the optimal, chalkiest build out there from everyone. If it's going to be two tens or 10-9 and four, and four sevens, then okay, what's the contrarian play going to be? Three nines and something in the sixes? Then you start to build around how roster construction is going to go and then include ownership. And then you can have some unique plays because this is like if, in a horse racing analogy. It's like a pick six, right? If you play, if you do horse racing, it's never about odds. If you win the pick six tickets, it's that you have the most unique line. So it could be whatever, but if no one else has your ticket, you win hundred percent of the pot. And that's the same thing for DFS. What's the unique build here that no one else has that can get you to the lead? Um, and you may be wrong. It may be, it may be a chopped, you know, like it is in showdown sometimes in NFL. It may be a chopped 30% owned every player, and you just have to, you know, eat it. 
Um, so I, I, I don't know, two sixes this week. I don't, nothing really stands out, Ron. I, uh, I mean, no, I think mid sevens and higher, there's a lot more value. I really like not, Tagala too. Not to veer too much off the beaten path, but it seems like you've done extensive work already on masters salaries. Do you yeah. have a hot take of a player you know you're locking in like 50 plus percent or a player you're fading altogether that is going to be highly rostered? Yes. But we're, I, we're a week in two days. And, but what? I do, but I also want to win a million. Okay. So, um, yeah. What about the not as hot? It's not on the stove yet. Take. If Connors, if Connors wasn't seventy six hundred and thirty percent owned, that's just great stuff and a thing that you can build a lot of lineups around on a driver heavy ball striking course. Could score on par fives. I don't know yet. I think there's one. You know my love for Cam Smith. Mm-hmm. I think he's a top five golfer on tour. Um, you got to have guts. I mean, it's all guts team at, at the Masters. I mean, of course, you can shoot 65 on any other day, but when the lights are on and the ghosts come out, like you said with Rory, it just takes a different personality. Well, with that, one more parting question before we all get out of here. It's been an awesome conversation, actually. Uh, but, Ron, let's start with you. I think, you know, Pat and Kazire's 8K, everyone else can decide what to do with them. You don't need our help for that. But we also know that, Rory McIlroy, Corey Condors, and Adam Hadwin are going to be the three other highest rostered golfers in this slate. And so in your opinion, which one are you fading for whatever reason out of those three? Yeah, you said Rory, right? Yeah, Rory, yeah, Connors, I'm, and Hadwin. Yeah, I'm, I'm fading Rory if, if it's down to those three. Yep. Matthew? Out of those, Rory's, Connors, Hadwin? Yep. Rory's, Rory. Okay. Um, Hadwin. I mean, when is when is Chalk Hadwin ever worked out for me? I mean, I love Hadwin, um, and he's playing well, but I probably wouldn't play Hadwin at that price. What is he, 90? 90? Uh, yeah. 89. 89. 89. Fee now, just 200 more. And what we expect to be 20-plus percent less rostered. Yeah, it's crazy. 15%. You know, sometimes I try to do too much. And I try to temper this down a little bit. Like if if someone's thirteen or fifteen percent, and I really like him, I don't. You don't necessarily need to go four x. I mean, you could go two x and be plenty ahead of the field in that case. Um, so we'll see where Sfinau shakes out. I think you're right. I think he's going to be sub ten. And he's with terrible. that, Matthew, yeah. he has been he has been terrible. Like you said, he fits really well at this course. Tell everyone where they can find these enjoyable thoughts as well as others. What else do you have going on behind the scenes right now? Yeah, I mean, I have a podcast, Golflandia, which um, we'll probably release tonight. I'm the worst at, at getting this scheduled. Um, I focus, but it, will, it should be tonight for Valero, and next week we'll do some content. But at Wiley77 on Twitter, of course. Um, that's where I do most of my chatter. <laughs> Ron, Ron that. Splits, what about you? Yeah, well, Spitzy. first of all, we love the chatter. Um, if you're not following Wiley, uh, one of the best accounts out there, uh, makes me laugh every day. Um, no, we got a betting betting article coming out tonight. Um, really digging into the first round leader model, which uh, will be out tomorrow as well. So those are kind of the big two, big two I'll be focusing on here over the next two days. 
Who's your call for first round leader? That's a good one. I'm still analyzing the data, so uh, check back tomorrow. Uh, I already have a sprinkle on Neesmith, so please tell me he's at least top five. Tell me I'm not too far off here. Yeah, I like him. He's probably top ten. I'll put him top ten right now. Oh, it's okay. going to be Charlie Hoffman, by the way. <laughs> it's it's going to piss me off, too. <laughs> this yep. is what's going to happen. Uh, with that, thanks, for everyone, for tuning in again. Again, we will be back next week with more guests, Masters Week. Until then, good luck this week. Thank you to our guests for coming on, and we will Thank see you. you next time.